One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Robert? Well, today, Russell, I am feeling judicious. Oh. And that, for anyone who doesn't actually know, means that I have show and do have good judgment and sense. And that's how I'm feeling today. It okay. also relates very handily, even though it's not quite the same word, but it relates to our guests. We have guests plural today. We are back. It's 2022 and we are recording. And you can probably hear my voice is quite thin because of COVID. <laughs> and I didn't realise how weak my voice is, but it, it is feeling quite weak. But I'm, I feel glamorous still, so that's good. And Russ, you were part of this judicious vibe because today we have a collective talk art and we have four guests including yourself because in a way you're part of this this crew we are going to be talking about last year's turner prize and we are being graced by three incredible art world aficionados amazing curators people that have really championed artists and new talent especially emerging voices and I respect all of them very, very much for all the work they've done. So our three guests are Zoe Whitley, the director of the Chisholm Gallery in London, who's an extraordinary talent, amazing visionary curator. And I've admired everything that she's been doing from afar for many years. And I had the great pleasure of meeting her recently at Hauser & Worth in Somerset. I'm really, really big, big fan of Zoe's. And then we have Aaron Cesar, who's the director of the Delfina Foundation, also in London. And we've met many times and I often see him at openings because he's he's a very keen supporter of new talent. So every show you go to, Aaron's there first. And um, and also he has amazing style. I love his jumpers. He often has <laughs> which which I do admire from afar because <laughs> you know that I'm obsessed. And then we have Kim McAleese, who is Programme Director of Grand Union in Birmingham. And we've never actually met, I don't think, but I think we might have been in the same room a few times. We have many mutual friends anyway, and you've been doing amazing work there. So the fourth person is obviously you, Russ, because you were also one of the judges. So it's slightly unusual this, this time because you're kind of an insider, but I'm the outsider. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art... Zoe, Whitney, Kim McAleese, and Aaron Cesar. Oh that was really hard. Hi. <laughs> so we are all in the UK mm-hmm. right yeah. now. And what was really like just struck a chord with me just then when Rob said the first time he met you, Zoe, was in Worth in Somerset. And that was the first time that I met you in the flesh. But we had been talking on Zoom for months 
as all of us have that have been on the jury for 2021 Turner Prize on Zoom. We'd never seen each other in the flesh. So seeing you actually as like a moving body was really odd to me, Zoe. (laughs) I'm not a hologram. (laughs) But what a strange experience for us all to kind of gone through a jury process on The whole thing was mad. I mean, the fact that the four of us weren't together in a room until Turner Prize opened in Coventry, I think kind of says it all. Yeah, that's right. I had kind of blanked on that part. We didn't all four of us see each other until September. Yeah. No, we had copious uh, WhatsApp exchanges. And we still keep, we still keep oh, that really bad. It's lit. <laughs> Kim, I met you in the car park at Peckham. That's oh, the first time we met and right. had like the world's longest hug, even though it was still COVID, because we're just so happy yeah, to see each other. I know. I remember you saying, God, Kim, you're a lot shorter than I thought. <laughs> I have a That's present. the thing, isn't it, with Paul Zoom? It's also, with, it's also when you see people with masks and you work with them and suddenly they take their mask off and you're like, oh, my God, you've got a face below your nose. <laughs> I don't, you, you don't even recognise these people. These people can't <laughs> you in the street and you're like, it's me. I'm like, oh, I didn't even recognise you. Sorry. <laughs> it's been strange, strange times. But anyway, so we were all selected for uh, the jury for this year. So for people listening... I don't fully know the process, but I don't know if you guys can shine some light on it, but why and how do they choose um, this outside committee uh, of jury every year? What What is their kind of um, ins and outs of choosing these people? I feel like if anybody knows, Anyone it's know? Aaron. <laughs> do you know? Really? I was going to actually <laughs> defer to you, I felt like Zoe, if anybody knew in the group, it'd be you. You finally worked at the Tate. Yeah. I just remember getting this this letter, like this email, and um, I received mine. It may have been in August, I think, of uh, 2020, yeah. was it? From Alex Farguson. Um, and I was on my way to Portugal. From the Tate. Exactly, from Alex Farguson, from the Tate, inviting me to be on the jury. And he named two of the jury members at that point in time. And I thought, wow, this is a real honor to be invited to do this. I also wondered about the process at that time, and I thought back to other jurors and it seemed to be representatives of institutions curators but both curators who are based in the uk and abroad like in the past and as we all know we'll probably get into later on uh, historically the prize has also included a journalist or a member of the press yeah exactly and i know in more recent years they've all they've kind of included sort of people that are like not not necessarily just collectors but people who sort of go regularly and engage with the art world in their country and i know like people like charlie porter the writer who's kind of known for his work in the fashion world but his his husband is obviously an artist and he's he's very much part of the kind of london art community and and internationally i think and then someone like russ who's an actor but also a collector and obviously does talk art and so i think they they like that idea of somehow involving writers uh, and also just sort of art world people but i know um louisa buck we spoke to before on the podcast as well and and charlie so like that they were both an example of that. I've always liked that about it as well, because I think it's good to have almost like someone who's slightly outside the art world, who's a bit of a kind of more of a everyday, you know, person bringing an experience from a different field as well, because maybe that adds a different perspective. Yeah, and I, I reflecting on that, like it, it's been interesting. I'd like to know what your, like after we announced the shortlist and, and after the prize and whatnot, a lot of people have talked to me about like what the process was like. I think for a long time um, we were hesitant for like various reasons to talk about that. But uh, lots of people actually asked me like, what was it like? Like what was the process like with Russell and having those conversations? And um, every single time I think back to any like 
major conversation we had or idea because Russell you're so like you were always thinking about audiences and how people would engage in a way that I think maybe not that Aaron and Zoe and I don't but you know we're very much part of institutions we're like in this art world machine um we're working with artists and with like niche contemporary art arguably um all of the time but I feel like you were really key to this entire process and like pushing us forward with um yeah thinking about how people in Coventry would engage that I really appreciated. I, I completely agree. And I think that what came together is maybe where, because of the work that the three of us do, kind of starts with artists. That's what we kept worrying about the most. And I think that was important and right. But I think equally, Russell, you kept bringing the British public into the room in a way that was so helpful for, you know, our thinking. And you know, we got to exactly the same place, but it just meant that the two things were were constantly coming together and that we weren't ever leaving one of those out. Oh, I'm thrilled about that response. Thank you very much. And maybe what I didn't kind of fully appreciate too until, you know, the list was announced was just how eagerly followed the Turner Prize is and how anticipated the list is by everyone. Everyone has an opinion on the Turner Prize. From taxi drivers yeah. to mums to you know, whatever, and I've been and 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 when you're a juror, you encounter these people when you put forth your list <laughs> because they all, of course, have an opinion on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, you know it's really funny that because for me, doing talk art so closely with Russ, like I'm often part of all the conversations, but for this project, I wasn't able to be part of it because Russ had to keep it completely confidential, just between the four of you. And what's that like? Like, is that a pressure when you when you have something so like secretive that you can't share with your loved ones? Like, um, like was that was that a kind of a, a unique experience? I'm gonna sound like the Black Pollyanna, but I think because we had the four of each other, it was okay. Like, I can't imagine right. doing it on your own. Like that would feel like too much. But the fact that, you know, this this WhatsApp group we keep talking about was always there. And Aaron's got the best gifts, gifs, however you want to say it. So <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Social media expert. Uh, kept yeah. us laughing. Give us some give us some examples of the gifts. Oh, I have an incredible one of a young boy lighting a fire um at, at the bottom of a of a <laughs> Of a stripper's pole. <laughs> That's the best one. And, he, and he's and he's clearly queer, yeah. and he's you know, and it, it's just like burning down a house, but actually a celebratory moment in the middle of kind of this, this complete destruction. He turns up a lot sometimes. Yeah. Yes, he did. Oh my god, I love yeah. that. So, like, amidst a really serious decision, suddenly a really fun gift turns yes. up. So, to, to do to do uh, Turner Prize for Dummies, just for everyone listening, so the Turner Prize is given to a British artist working primarily in Britain, or an artist born in Britain working globally um it is for one outstanding exhibition or public presentation of their work anywhere in the world in the previous year now the situation that we were all thrown into is that we were brought on to be the jury for a prize when the world was in pandemic so what would normally happen as a jury is that we would travel to all the exhibitions we'd see the exhibitions in the flesh we would meet the artists hopefully we'd be able to discuss them and have uh, a common denominator of actually being in the moment, in the room where it happened. Whereas this time, we're all on Zoom. Every artist that had a show realised if it was open, they were shuttered. You weren't able to get in there. If their shows 
were going to be realised they weren't. There was artists that had these ideas that didn't come to fruition. So suddenly we were thrown into this arena of having to conform to the traditions of what the Turner Prize is and find four nominees. And we struggled with that badly, right? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what was it like for you, Kim? What? Because what, I, I remember at the beginning, you were quite distraught. And I, I thought, to be honest with you, Kim, I thought you were quite... I know, know you now and you're a fucking laugh, but I thought you were quite serious. <laughs> really? And quite like... Yeah, I thought you were really serious. Because I think going into it, there was... You know, you, the, the weight of responsibility for this prize, especially on you guys, I felt it less because I thought I haven't got as much to lose, but you guys running institutions and being seen as, you know, a figure, a public figure that has a responsibility to programmes and, and artists and exhibitions. There's more of a pressure on you guys, but I felt from you, Kim, you felt you were really sad about it. Yeah. Do you know, like, thinking back to that... Um Thinking back to that first meeting we had, so just to like recap on what Aaron said, we all got the invitation about August time in 2020. Um, so why is that? Like almost 18 months ago. So we got we got the we got that email through, and then it was like, okay, we're going to meet on Zoom and say like a month, six weeks time. You're going to meet with uh, Alex Farquharson, who is the director of Tip Britain, but he also manages the Turner Prize, and with like Tate's press team. Um, and it was the four of us meeting for the first time as as uh, jury members on the Zoom as well. So I think the context in which we were operating, in my mind, and maybe this is why I went in, like, in a serious way, you know, we, Tate were getting really bad press at that time. They had, a lot of staff had, on zero war contracts had been kind of dismissed. People were in the middle of furlough schemes. Um, there was like mass protests outside the Tate Modern. Like that was when heavy on my mind, like, okay, this this is interesting if this is the relationship that a lot of the art world is having with Tate as an institution at the moment. How are we as jurors going to approach the Turner Prize kind of managed by Tate? And then I suppose also maybe for me, and like to speak personally about this, not representing everyone, but like feeling the weight of being the only jury member who wasn't based in London. Um, I'm thinking about the Midlands and thinking about it being where the prize was going to be kind of unveiled and held that year and where people were going to see the show. And we had a more severe lockdown. And I actually remember us speaking about this over the like months that followed, like the only shows that I saw in 2020 were in London or I saw one in Brighton. So, you know, when we were approaching this, if we were using the same criteria that historically had been used, it would only be artists who had a show in London, which didn't feel like uh, would adequately represent anyone. Um, and it was just for that summer, yeah. if you don't mind me jumping in. Because no, remember, again, through the WhatsApp, I'd emailed or, you know, messaged everybody because I was going to Southwark Park Galleries to see Fanny Perali. And I was like, okay, guys, come on. But I knew that it could only be three of the four of us. And I think, Russell, what you've been saying about the context is so important because I think it does feel so far away that we can forget so easily that, you know, even with the different tiered systems affecting aspects of the country differently, that it just made it impossible for there to be any kind of public or civic engagement with culture in a way that we gathered indoors anywhere, like all four of us for 
that whole year, really. Well, even for you, I mean, what was a celebration? You were just newly assigned as the the director, curator, head director, cur- director of the Chisenhow Gallery on literally two days before we went into lockdown. So you, wasn't it yeah. something like that? So you started your role. I think I was a bad person in a past life because I was just like, what is going on? It's my dream job and what is happening now? So yeah, it was... Yeah, to start in March of 2020 was uh, something special. I got all dressed up and sat in my living room. (laughs) It's interesting that as well, though, because um, not only did it affect, you know, the actual engagement with the public and people being able to go and see or even stage exhibitions, but also it affected so many of us kind of psychologically in our homes, you know. And like I found the first lockdown incredibly traumatic. And um, luckily, Russ was there for me to throw me into talk art. And we ended up doing Quarantine, that series of kind of lockdown recordings. And that literally kept me going because I was living alone on my own in a house. So what was it like for you guys? Because if you're trying to judge a prize, it must be like tough if you're feeling like, you know, stuck at home or, or whatever. Aaron, I, I mean, I think we all shared the fear of, of like, how the hell do we do this? The weight of responsibility. And we were all struggling back and forth and we were putting names forward and we were going, well, okay, so let's think about this. So maybe we should be nominating artists. I think this was a Tate suggestion. We should be nominating artists that had, should have been nominated before but been overlooked. And then we was all like, mm, that's a good idea, but that, isn't that the responsibility of the Tate? Right, right. I mean, just saying that we got many suggestions kind of from the Tate, you know, among us as well about possibilities. But I mean, I think one thing from the beginning we decided that we weren't going to do with this Turner Prize was right wrongs of the past. Like that was not our job as the jury. And, and what we began to think about is how do we reflect this particular moment, this kind of like uh, stuckness that we all felt. But it... But to not dwell on the negative aspects of lockdown, to try and think about the positive things that were happening across the country in this moment, what was continuing to happen, what was continuing to take place, where art and culture was happening. And for me, a turning point was going to see Shaila Kamari Berman's um, Christmas lights outside of Tate Britain and going there on a, a, a Sunday evening in November during the month of lockdown in London, which I think actually that was a national lockdown, I think that the month of November, and seeing different communities gather outside of Tate Britain, bringing their boom boxes, bringing their booze. <laughs> so much fun and conviviality happening outside of Tate, sparked by Chyla's installation, these wonderful Christmas lights that just animated the entirety of that public space. And for just a little brief moment in time, we felt that we were part of a community again. We were able to kind of be together, although this was all illegal in a way, like that kind of mass gathering, but somehow art provided that opportunity for us, for us to come together. And so I think the whole idea of kind of collectivity and community to me was triggered by kind of that artwork. Um, and then that fed into, in different ways, into our thinking, into our WhatsApps, and, and in terms of uh, looking at other artists, other practices that seemed to make sense for that time. And I'm fast forwarding a little bit now, but you know, at, at, at when we did decide that we were going to focus on collectives, um, I remember the presentation, the pitch that we put together for Tate, trying to effectively coax or convince them of our vision for the Turner Prize 2021. And we had these four principles. One was um, beyond the individual. The other was beyond the gallery space beyond the pandemic and beyond the status quo. Those was like the four kind of principles we 
Yeah, we I did, did good, didn't we? Did, did, we did good, <laughs> and, and we had a very <laughs> we did good, and we had a very snazzy like PowerPoint presentation too that we put together to try. Wow, did you? Yeah, we I did. didn't know that. We had to take ownership of the process a little bit. I think that's almost in a way what our tightness and our kind of collectiveness as a group meant that we took a lot more ownership, I think, of the process than maybe previous juries had in the past because they were acting more as individuals who came together for the two or three meetings to then kind of enact or come together and develop a shortlist. We had so many... Not least we had five on the shortlist. Exactly, which is already a a triumph. Um, But I think to get there, you know, the, the, the kind of the mini crises that we all went through, the late nights, you know, pondering, how do we take this forward? How do we make sense of this, of this time, you know, under different tiered systems where we're, where, where artists weren't enabled to, uh, to show work, um, really kind of came together in, in kind of the, the, the four principles in a way. Can you remember other ideas that we come up with before we all collectively decided on collectives? Can you remember anything else that we sort of were, were pondering and considering as a way to approach this? I, I remember that one of the suggestions we put forward, and I think it was also based on that the, the tape written artwork um, when we were chatting about how people could potentially gather and we didn't know how long everything was going to go on for. Um, we did talk about taking it outside of the gallery space. And thinking about Coventry as a city and how artists might potentially respond where we could safely gather and people could safely interact. Oh, yeah. So we were looking at, we, we considered artists that work in the public realms. We were looking at artists who make yeah. public artworks and we were going to nominate four artists and then they would create public artworks for that. But also the problem with that is that timing-wise and also when you give an artist the, the nomination, they only have a certain amount of time before the exhibition so suddenly it was like, and then and- yeah, it's like Mission Impossible, yeah. right? On a practical level, yeah, 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 yeah. Because normally you're being nominated for an exhibition that you'd that seen somewhere else the previous year, and then that way it comes to a large British institution, whether it's Tate Britain or an alternate regional museum's year, mm. to to then see this work that basically already existed. And that's what's being commended. Um, so we'd also talked about um, the fantastic list of 10 Turner Bursary recipients and the opportunity for them to be able to show work so that rather than just being a list of names to the British public, yeah. that people could see their work too. Mm. That was another thing that we talked about. This What's is great, it? Russell. It's like you're taking us down memory lane. I'd forgotten. Are, are they painful memories or are these kind of? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all smiling now. Are you kidding? We had, it's been good. To be honest, I, I love it because I, I was totally kept out of this. So it's really exciting for me. <laughs> um, that's a really interesting idea though. So We if haven't you were told gonna, anybody. I know. So if, if you were going to do those 10, was that more like you weren't going to sort of select, um, you know, ha- have the prize that year almost. It's almost like give them the exhibition this year and have a year off. But then that probably felt a bit like, I don't know, if that was me, I probably would have fought for another idea, I think. Well, uh, yeah, I, but it felt like, you know, the year that there was lockdown, there were 10 bursaries. They all got 10 grand each. It was amazing because there was support from outside for that. But then these artists were just basically like a, a news bulletin. So they didn't get an exhibition. So people yeah, wouldn't true. have seen any of their work. And we felt, well, we've got a responsibility now to these artists to get their work seen because the whole point of Turner Prize is that it engages the public in such a huge way every year, which yeah. they might not go and see other exhibitions. They, they just go and see the Turner Prize that year. 
So I felt, you know, when we did actually come up with this idea as well, there was another idea that we were going to choose four artists, but they were going to go to the four Tates. And we were saying, this is what we've decided. And Tate were like, yeah. I don't think so. But we were like, one at Tate Liverpool, one at Tate St. Ives, Britain and Modern. And they were like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. And then, we like, and then you're going to do a show with one of them the next year, whoever wins. And then you're going to have another exhibition of all the bursaries. And I think they were like, hold your horses. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that was like, let's take over the whole country yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah. Oh, why not? Robert, we had levels to it. We had levels oh. to it. Yeah. <laughs> that's so yeah. good. I was going to say it was a bit of a, a breakthrough then when we came to the collectives. Yeah, I think Rob, what Rob was going to say is like, how did we get there? Yeah, so when you got to the, the decision you were going to show collectives, which when I, as, as a kind of spectator or, you know, as an audience, when I discovered that you'd all done that, I was so shocked because I was so convinced. You know, Russ champions so many individual artists, often to me, before I know about them, he'll just constantly like text me, call me, send me emails with every detail of every, you know, new artwork by, by this artist I've never heard of. And he sort of does champion those individuals. I was really shocked, but I was also really excited because it felt like something new and a new way of looking at the prize. And it felt very sensitive. And I'm one of those people that's kind of like, I'm not all about building walls or, you know, having borders. Like I'm very much about supporting, you know, migration and all of these things. And like, I'm quite a socialist at heart. So for me, it felt like that was the spirit of what what you guys have decided to do. And I felt like it was very in keeping as well with the art world and the way that we all as an art community think. So I was quite shocked anyway. I'll talk about that later, but by some of the responses to it. But how did you choose those collectives? So there was a Ray Collective, Black Obsidian Sound System, also known as BOSS, Boss, Cooking Sections, Gentle um, Radical and Project Artworks. So how did you come across all of those, those different collectives? Well, I, I mean, for me, I was introduced to, you know, 60% of, of these. I knew Project Artworks, uh, who were based in Hastings, and they're an incredible group that make art down there and they're looking, looking after carers and artists and it's a whole collective of neurodivergent artists that are creating the most amazing work and they've been nominated for a Jarman Film Prize They've been nominated for, or they're, they're shown at Documenta, so they're seen on this very high curatorial list. But yet, they're, they're othered as as artists because it's neurodivergent, which is something for me, which I've always kind of championed that you should bring that all the conversations should be brought in together. So, you know, each of us kind of pitched our own sort of collectives and introduced other collectives to each other, right? Yeah, and I also think that the the choice for collectors brought together many of the ideas that we were maybe struggling with or ideas that were underneath the surface. So everything from public art that we mentioned kind of before, uh, the idea of kind of collectivity, reflecting on this moment of the pandemic and the notion of kind of solidarity and care. Many of the collectives that we selected for the, the short list have been doing this kind of work far beyond the pandemic, like before the pandemic. And they are to me examples of this kind of, of, of collaborative working, of, with, 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 with a sense of community in different communities. So part of kind of our job as jurors was to do a little bit of research and actually to think outside of London, to think about different communities around the country where kind of artists, collectives are making an impact. And so we brought together different ideas. I didn't know uh, a Ray Collective, for example. Um, I discovered them via Kim. And her, her, her suggestion for them to, to us as, 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 as a jury. And we went through 
effectively the portfolio, any work we could find online, because of course you can't tell artists that you're they're being nominated for the Turner Prize. <laughs> you have to identify and scrabble around and get information. And we also have to kind of note here that not all of the artist collectives make work that's easily presentable online or in a gallery space. Mm. So we really had to do our homework and even sometimes find ways to secretly kind of ask around, you know, about them, but, you know, with in very coded ways without revealing anything because this is a very secretive process. So, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I <laughs> say that from my perspective, these are the things that kind of came together that made the list kind of for me. And they were, they were also, I should, we should raise, artists who are part of these collectives or some of the collectives themselves that were in some of our earlier conversations. Mm. So I think there was always this kind of like thread there that we just kind of brought together. And as we also know, the idea of a collectors being nominated for the Turner Prize is not a novel idea. You know, there is a history of, of, of this kind of going back to a, a symbol, to the Odalith group, to forensic architecture. And then also the, the, the Turner Prize winners of 2019, um, also kind of sparked a moment of collectivity when they came together saying, we accept this prize as a group. And since then, they have made work as a group. Um, so there are these kind of examples of the history of the Turner Prize that kind of led us to kind of this moment. And so that's why it just it made sense for this particular time, this particular year, mm. in these particular circumstances. Yeah, you're right, because we were going, right, we're going to do one collective, one public artwork artist, another artist who deals with yeah. video art, another artist. Right. We were really trying to kind of cherry pick in that way, but it just didn't work out. What, why, what was it about a Ray collective for you, Kim, that you were like, these feel like the right kind of artists to push forward for this? Mm. Do you know that, uh, just like reflecting on what you've all been saying as well, I think... That was such a distinct period of time for all of us, like within human history that we've all interacted with. And I think that, you know, for us as jurors without, you know, within our WhatsApp group, just speaking about and talking about how, you know, we really cannot underestimate the power of art and artists the, on, a, on a human level and, and how, how they kind of show us the way in the world. And I think that... Um, in lieu of being able to physically see exhibitions, we were really focusing on practice that did kind of highlight um, these kind of moments of solidarity or modes of solidarity, mutual aid, support structures, things that um, irrespective of whether something is easily presentable in a gallery space, there are types of practice where, where human beings and care is at the heart of that. And through these particular set of collectives, you know, when we were putting ideas back and forth, they kind of just exemplify that. And we wanted to really show and highlight that there there are these the, the, these like beacons of hope in these moments when you interact with art and artists and artworks that that can be completely transformative. And I think for us as jury members, that was that was like really the key. And I suppose Array Collective, I, I, I'm from Northern Ireland, hear my accent. So I knew of their, I knew of their work, um, you know, they're out in the streets, they're protesting, they're making things very visible and public. And, um, and this is in Belfast. In Belfast, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, they had, they ha had had an exhibition at, at Gerwood in London I can't remember what year was that, 2019, maybe just the year previously. So they had, you know, they're all artists and they're all making work individually and collectively. Um, 
it just felt really important to highlight what they're doing in a very specific like socio-economic and political context that doesn't always um I, I suppose ha- it's not highlighted so much in the rest of the UK we can get on to that later on when we're talking about press as well because I want to talk about an article that was written um but yeah it felt really important to have like a northern Irish perspective there I mean if you look uh, you know, there there were there's cooking sections here based in London, but they're doing something quite specific in Sky, but also, you know, globally. Um yes. Black Obsidian Sound System, you know, like working in London, but like doing different things all around the rest of the UK. Um Gentle Radical doing different things in Wales, then Project Artworks and along the South Coast and then Array in Northern Ireland. It just felt like uh, it was important to have distinct voices from many locations that were not mm. necessarily central. By central, yeah, I mean London. <laughs> yeah. I found it quite um, interesting because, like you were saying, some of those cr- cr- critics were saying, like, oh, you know, the Turner Prize is meant to be about one artist or, you know, it's, this is almost like the death of the artist or something ridiculous. But what they all forgot was that loads of the artists in these collectives, you know, have their own practices anyway. And it's all this idea of coming together, of solidarity, was something we also saw in the previous Turner Prize in Margate. And I, I took away that as the strongest message from that Turner Prize. And I actually found it, and I'm not talking about the, the joint result thing. It, it's more just like the work itself in that Turner Prize previously. Like, I, I was really taught a lot from that installation of those four artists. I, I learned loads from it. And I, I felt like this was like taking it even further into a, it's a really good message that we need to listen to each other, help each other, support each other. And even like, if you think of Project Artworks, I went down there to Hastings more recently. It was actually the day they were all leaving to go and install your, your show in Coventry. And yeah, they were all leaving and really excited. So I, I met about eight of the team that day. And I was blown away by all the volunteers who were involved in Hastings. That's right. You yeah. know, because we we're actually showing Joe Goldman's work, who, who's in the installation um, for the Turner Prize in Margate in, in our next show opening at the end of January, curated by Jennifer Lauren. So, like, I, I was blown away by all of those themes. Like, and I just think it's really odd that other people didn't understand or, or get it. Like, well, I mean, I, I got asked, I think we all got asked several times about the controversy of the critics, but... I always feel like it goes hand in hand with the Turner Prize that every year, especially the Red Tops, they attack the Turner Prize. It's just it's just a given. So for me, I was like, isn't that just part and parcel of this whole process? But they got True. they got quite personal at times, I felt like. Yeah. Did you feel like that, Zoe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very much. And I'm the thin-skinned one in the group. So yeah, I found it very I found it very hard. And I think what's interesting is I mean, it's interesting, Robert, to hear your, I think, very sympathetic, but also like quite clear-eyed view beyond knowing us to to see it as something bigger because there was so much like almost Zimmer frame waving, like back in my day, it counted for something. Yeah. And, you know, it was <laughs> very often people who had done it then. And I was just like, wow, it's, it's it's a different time. There seemed to be such a a limited willingness to to see that twenty twenty was an impossible year, or they or rather people forgotten that okay that's the case, but now get right back to it, and that we still required I think a different and sensitive response. And everything Kim's just said, I've just been kind of nodding like along to it because it seemed to me so much of this was about 
listening to artists and trying to make clear that artists do something amazing for the communities that we're a part of, not just when their work is framed on a wall or, or shown on a plinth, that even when galleries are closed, they're still doing something. And there's this amazing kind of energy and excitement and generosity in thinking like an artist. And maybe the scary thing for some people is that we are all capable of doing it, but I think it's the artists who spark something. And there's certain artists who, rather than saying, I'm doing this alone in my studio, which is totally valid. I mean, that was the thing. At no point did we say, you know, we never want to see another artist working in their studio quietly at an easel. That was never, this was never a vote against something, but it was very much an opportunity to say artists are more than just the solo shows that a very small minority are lucky enough to have in an institutional space. Totally. Right. And artists, and and the the production of art has always been a collective activity, even if it is a solo artist. I was really touched by the labels uh, in the exhibition for the Turner Prize nominees, how the collectives name check so many other individuals who helped support them to make that work come into the world. We thought, actually, we also yes, big up Hamad Nasser. Yes. Absolutely. We have to big up Hamad Nasser, the lead curator, Laurel Leary, and Alice O'Rourke, who are the assistant curators. Oh, at the, uh, this is at the Herbert Art Centre, which is the uh, institution yeah. within Coventry. And Coventry is the what well, was the city of culture during 2021. So having the Turner Prize there was a huge accolade for them. But Hamad and also a, um, no, no, so sorry, no, was like a I was say it was also transformative for the institution itself because yeah. each of the collectives engage locally. Right. So within the space. Yeah. Yeah, but what was you going to say about the press stuff, Rob? Because you started off in the introduction talking about... I was actually, to be really frank, I mean, I can talk openly because I'm not part of the jury, I guess, but, like, I was deeply shocked and appalled and actually think it's kind of an outrage, and I don't think anyone's actually said this publicly. Uh, Well, not that I've heard anyway, apart from talking to to you guys directly in the past, because I met Zoe briefly and I've spoken to Russell about it. But like, I just thought some of the reviews were shocking because of the personal attacks on the jurors, on the kind of the way they disregarded the work that these collectives do as art, you know, almost saying that because they're a collective, they don't make art, which is just ludicrous. Like, the, the kind of resistance to expanding your mind into trying to make the world a better place and trying to make the art world a better place and trying to like give a platform and share the, the, the public, you know, space for art with a different perspective, like the resistance to it. But I just think it was appalling. And I, I'm shocked that there weren't more articles like the one that was so brilliantly written um, for Elephant magazine about the Array Collective. I thought that article was genius. And I actually screamed from the rooftops when that was published. I was so happy because finally someone had actually done it. And I, I mean, I didn't speak up before because I didn't want to get in the way of Russell being on the judge and I didn't want to make it about us or anything like that. But I feel like now in 2022, I can say that publicly and this is recorded. And I think it's a disgrace what happened to be honest. Thanks, Rob. Kim, I'd love to hear you talk about the elephant article. The elephant article, yeah. I want to I want to name check uh the amazing people who wrote that. So it's written by two really brilliant um curators and writers in who are based in Belfast called Kira Hickey and Jane Morrow. Um they both are Northern Irish. Um they have a really deep 
I mean, they're from the place. They have a really deep understanding of the context of of the politics of Northern Ireland, what Array Collective are doing, what what they're trying to say. Um, I only wish that that article was like shared more widely and that more people saw that. I was actually really, I was shocked that there weren't more um, like commissions in in art magazines with some some of the collectives with Array. I, I don't understand why there's just why there's been such a lack. But I think what uh, what um, Kira and Jane um, kind of exposed in that elephant article was that there's it's a reticence and a hesitation to get things wrong when uh, speaking about Northern Ireland. I mean, I could talk about this for hours. Let's not talk about this for this entire podcast. But for everyone listening, the elephant elephant is an art uh, magazine. It's not elephant in the room. We're not. Talking <laughs> yeah, about elephant is a really great it's art actually, magazine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's an art magazine. Yes. But I think that expertise is part of it too, Kim. Because if we make it about more than just array, um, to go back to what. Robert was saying um and yeah the the way that the the vitriol around the the criticism emerged I think there's also something about like the limits of the people who consider themselves experts the limits of their knowledge and a kind of disavowal of what they didn't know Mm. and for probably the first time in a long time there was maybe let's be real, maybe four out of the five nominees that, you know, people on various arts desks wouldn't be familiar with. Totally. And so that becomes an affront in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which didn't allow them to call us. Well, they thought we were like insiders, navel-gazing or being very elitist with the lists. It was all of these criticisms towards us. Um, I mean, or unlikely. Being too I just woke, wasn't it? We're just like trying to... To be too woke, yeah. Yeah, you right. know, I mean... I just thought it was like water off a duck's back. I mean, as I said to a friend, you know, look, um, you can have all these people are entitled to have their opinion about the Turner Prize, but I was asked and invited for mine mm-hmm. to be as part of a jury. So fuck you, yeah. basically. <laughs> and I think, yeah, fuck you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> the other thing that we like kept returning to as well as a jury was that you know, all of us would love to have like four painters in like four separate spaces that we could be, you know, that we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. In a normal year, we would have loved to have nominated like something that would easily like sit in a space, like in a, in a lovely white cube space in an institution in Coventry. However, 
we were confronted with one of the most horrific years in recent times where artists were without work, without money, without jobs, you know, all of the above without shows. So this was us trying to approach this in like a sensitive way that we thought would like best show the incredible talent that is in the UK at the moment. Um, but yeah, the press just could not could not get their head around that a lot of them and actually and and like you say like you you were introducing these collectives that often many of us didn't know like I didn't know I think I knew project artworks and cooking sections and I'd heard about boss but I I didn't really know what boss were doing do you know what I mean like I hadn't I hadn't actually been to to any of their projects so I don't know like I I learned loads from that just just the announcement I spent ages reading about it all because I was fascinated that Russ had been part of it which is partly why I read so much of the criticism as well and it wasn't just to be very clear I'm I'm not angered because of what people were saying about Russell because I was expecting there to be some (laughs) backlash because he's an actor (laughs) because you're an actor and the art world is just you know and not and not everyone in the art world you know contrary to popular belief love talk art either you know there's been a lot of resistance to us over the years as well as a lot of support of course but there had you know it's not like everyone loves talk art either. So I thought maybe people might be a bit snide about Russ, perhaps, because that was like an easy target, maybe. But it wasn't even about what was said about Russ. It was more about what was said about, you know, other people who are leading leading curators and that I really respected without knowing them. Like, it wasn't personal, my response. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're all quiet. Um, <laughs> so, well, well so what, happens, what happened next was that then we came to collectives and it was like a eureka moment. I remember us all being on Zoom and we were all going, um, what should we do, what should we do, what should we do? Because it, it, time was running out and we were starting to get a lot of pressure from Tate and they were saying, come on, you've got to make a decision. And they were panicking, thinking we were going to abstain and say we're not going to vote, which we did also consider. We I was did about to also say, was that ever an option we to did. like cancel the whole thing? We did talk we about did. it, yeah. But we felt that it was important to kind of proceed. I think Alex did kind of like at the very beginning, um, tell us this and then reiterated throughout the entire process about how important the Turner Prize is for the kind of like the art community, but also the world at large in terms of their engagement with art. So we didn't want to actually, you know, hold back and kind of refuse as it were. We just wanted to find kind of the terms in which mm. made sense for us personally and professionally for mm. this year. And I think we did that. I mean, we had a, this, this eureka moment yeah. on, on, on Zoom. We did. But it felt also abstaining felt really mean to Coventry and to the Herbert who were preparing for the show, who were so excited about it and what it would have brought to Coventry itself. And so that, that was a fleeting consideration. But then when we had the eureka moment where we went, we're all collectives, then it was like, right. So then we all pitched collectives to each other this is who I want this is who you want there were some that went straight in there was others that were kind of being deliberated and that's why we came to five because not because we couldn't make up our mind to four but because it felt wrong not to have all five of these collectives on that list Mm, right Zoe yeah it just felt right that's what I was gonna say just felt right yeah so then then we pitched it to Tate and the Herbert and we went in and we kind of had a big deep like a briefing with each other before going come on guys we hunkered down we had kind of one of them little scrums rugby scrums and we got in and we went right right we're gonna we're gonna fight the monsters and we we pitched it and we we were I mean I was impressed with us I thought we were the shit (laughs) in that period (laughs) and they went for it and they were like wow and I think we started off saying this is something really historical this has not been done before and it hadn't been done before and they went for it and that felt really um rewarding I felt like okay we've done something here guys this is this has been this is kind of ignited excitement 
And we did our homework because just like Aaron was, you know, name checked Autolith Group and Assemble at Forensic Architecture, etc. We'd also looked at the histories and precedents of other firsts, you know, the first woman nominated for the Turner Prize, the first woman who received it, you know, when they took off the the age cap, when it had previously been, you know, a contemporary artist is, you know, under a certain age, you know, that there's, it's always been evolving. And so to evolve with the times, you know, was something that was actually part of the prize's DNA rather than kind of anathema to it. And so that was also something that felt helpful to bring into it because we were really clear that we actually do have respect for this, which is why we're all in this room and taking this so seriously and taking so long is because we care, not because we want to burn it to the ground. Totally. So we pitched it and then the Herbert then had the responsibility of how do you put on a show, an exhibition of five collectives, some of them who don't have physical works currently available to do it so there was a pressure on them and that's where Hamad Nasser came in who we named checked earlier who is the most incredible curator and he has this kind of he came up with this mantra uh which on the launch night he had which I was obsessed (laughs) with his mantra but when we were going like how do you what is this show about how do you create a show like this and he said well it's very simple it's what we eat who we see whose voices we hear what we stand for who we stand with and I remember I melted. I was like, I love you. Oh, hallelujah. So, hallelujah. And that was like, that is, that was 2021 Turner Prize. That, that absolutely summed up what this exhibition was. And anybody who, who was lucky enough to go to Coventry and experience all what was going on in Coventry, but also what was going on in the Herbert for the Turner Prize, they, they experienced an incredible exhibition. And public program. I mean, I think what Hamad, you know, Laura and Alice kind of really got right was they saw this shortlist as a curatorial proposition right, to kind of develop a framework that could encompass the different and very diverse practices of the the shortlisted artists, but also look at how that would engage with Coventry, you know, and this worked very well with the the shortlisted collective. So Project Artworks doing residency for some of their artists in the space, Boss doing a sound system workshop, and also some radio collaborations. cooking sections, working with the restaurant of the, of, the, of the Herbert to remove farmed salmon from the menu, as, 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 as well as 20 other kind of museum restaurants. I mean, there was all this kind of local activity that was generated from the collectives themselves, engaging locally. And this is what I think made the, this year, the Turner Prize, very transfer, transformative um, for, for Coventry. And it was an incredible kind of like showcase and effort by the Herbert and by Hamad and Laura and Alice. I mean, really incredible. And Project Artworks took took on a, basically a residency in the Herbert. They were, they were there daily. So as a member of the public, you were engaging with the artist. The artist was present daily. So that invigorated that. And, and everybody we spoke to, you know, were just like, we love Project Artworks because we are seeing art being made and we are engaging with it. And that, that again, was such a, an amazing gift that the artist gave to us. I think that's that sense of, of being really respectful of of where you are and then literally meeting people where they are. And it's something that, you know, is at the heart of a practice of of individuals who make up gentle radical, for instance. But you think where being local and, you know, not parachuting in, but staying in a place and doing deep thinking work about how you can build community, 
you know, if you're doing that locally, how do you take that somewhere else? But actually, they were able to then connect with other people who are doing that work in Coventry and forging these kind of really important um, yeah, communal links and just engaging with people in a really deep way. And I think that that was, you know, really beautiful to to see. So, so then the show's up and running. Uh, we again said, you know what? This is internal. This is like hot gossip. We said, we're not going to vote. We put your, oh, we put the nominations forward. Process? We've That's got, we got the five word. nominations. <laughs> and we went, we're not going to yeah. vote. We're going to put it to the yeah. public. The public are going to yes. vote. And it's nothing to do we with did us. Say that. Because we were like, we feel really mean. It felt really mean to be nominating, to putting artists into a competition at the, in the current climate and then going, and this is the best person. Uh, this is, and it just felt wrong. They were they were kind of reticent to let us do that. And then in the end, we did have our arms bent and we did actually vote. And that what did that feel like for you, Kim, going like, oh, I actually do have to vote? Uh, the voting process, I mean, this whole experience has been so bonkers. Um, I, f- I feel like by the time we got to that stage, we were all comfortable with the voting process. We had nominated the, the, the artist collectives. We'd all been to the opening, like we'd been back. We'd like spent a lot of time with all of the work and it felt... I think one thing that was really important to us um, the morning when we were making the decision was, you know, Coventry, there's a person that works there called Frances Nielsen and she's in charge of like public engagement. She's director of, Aaron, you're looking at... She's a legend. She's culture (laughs) and creative director. That's the one. So, yeah. So I think that like for all of us, it was really important to hear how people locally and all of the partnerships that the Herbert have um, within that locale, like were interacting with all of the artists with all of the artworks so it felt I don't know it felt really positive for us to be like considering all of those things you know none of the none of that exhibition and none of the projects were operating in isolation away from the public away from like people of Coventry away from uh the Herbert so I I at the beginning we were all so hesitant about it but yeah by the time it, it got to the discussions and deliberation, it felt it felt right. Do you know what I've remembered as well? Is it you know why we had five nominations? Because we we thought that someone might turn it down. You know, in previous years people do turn it down. Like Sarah Lucas, for example, is an artist that has declined the prize nomination. So we had five thinking, you know, if one turns it down, we have four collectives there still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, no, none of them turned it, turned it down. No. I know. I'm still really happy yeah. that it was. I mean, there was that incredible statement by Boss, by Black Obsidian yeah, kind of, uh, Sound System. Yeah. Well, but, you know, it wasn't, I mean, many of the points that were raised were points that we knew. And actually some of, some of that, that, those points we brought to Tate ourselves ahead of time yeah, right, about right. how do you work with collectives? How do you give time and create a meaningful process to engage with that level of people, particularly when each collective operates in a very different way? Um, we, we, from the outset, Kim already raised the fact that when we were invited to be on the jury, there was this mass call kind of at Tate uh, due to kind of pandemic, kind of like stresses on their budget. Um, so all these issues kind of that boss raised was raised. So actually, when I saw the statement, I was like, okay, yeah, of course, you know, we expected this. In fact, I expected a statement from every single collective. Uh, that was me. I was very pleased, though, that Boss did accept the nomination. That being said, um, and, that we, and that we had all five because it was the, the dream shortness for us. It really was. Oh, completely. And that's something I'm really proud of is that um, 
Tate told us that we've been the most unified jury that they've ever had. Oh, that's really interesting. So what was it like in December when you go to Coventry and they have the big announcement? Did you guys all meet that night then? We, we, got, we got there the night before, didn't we? We all stayed at the Telegraph Hotel, which is like the old Telegraph building. I was just going to say, we had a really not tasty dinner, so I won't flag where we no. ate, but it was fine. It was your choice. We had a you nice chose time. It. No, we, well, we were trying to look at what was open. <laughs> Apparently, we were there a day of the week when a lot of the restaurants were closed. Oh, my God, that's so like anyway. Margate tonight, Tuesday night. <laughs> yes, Tuesday night. It was, it was, it was it a was Tuesday a night. Exactly. So, so there you go. We went to a pub and en route... Zoe got some Baskin Robbins ice cream, and then we went into. The <laughs> they the have an American ice cream parlor. So we did That's that, and then good. The... that was a turn up for the books, food-wise. <laughs> and the guy in the pub was furious about it. So <gasps> yes, we had to he eat was. It out. Oh yeah, he wanted to kick me I think out. He wanted to eat it. Having... He said no outside food. So, so you sat there with a, a, an ice cream cone dripping on your hand while we carried on. Off and, my own heart, ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> and, then we di- and then we didn't make the decision until we fully, until we were back in the space the following day. We got there early and we sat with all the works collectively and all the collectives. Yeah. Can I also name check Helen Legg in this process? We haven't spoken oh, about her please. yet. Oh, legend. She, oh my God, Helen Legg. So she's the director of Tit Liverpool. Um, you know, she, she has been so generous um in like guiding us through this process as well as someone who's asking really good questions yeah. so when it came to deliberation that morning she raised some really um like valid points and things for us to consider you know she was always there if we needed to like have a conversation with her I think because you know she's worked she obviously is like now running Tate Liverpool but she'd been director of Spike Island had like artist studios there she's like very so many of her shows were nominated for Turner Prize like the exhibitions were nominated for them. So she just kind of gets it. So yeah, really want to uh, like shout out her because she really helped. Totally. 100%. So then then we came to the decision for Array. So for people listening, previous winners have included artists that you would have heard of like uh, Gilbert and George, Labena Hamid, who's currently up at uh, Tate Modern, Susan Phillips, Wolfgang Tillmans, Rachel Whiteley, uh, Anish Kapoor, uh, Anthony Gormley, uh, Damien Hurst. There's lots of artists in there that you would have heard of, but we uh, as had the responsibility as a jury this year to choose an artist, and we chose uh, a Ray Collective. And and why why do you think it was a Ray Collective for us this year, Aaron? What I want to say is that um, with the Ray Collective's installation, I was the most surprised by what they presented in a Herbert and how they brought together so many different ideas so many different kind of conflicting emotions within it from sorrow and loss to celebration, joy and happiness. But even the joy and happiness is like tinged with, you know, a bit of kind of like uh, anxiety about the current situation. Um, and, it, it, and although they are speaking um, from the perspective of Northern Ireland, that is a universal kind of like message of kind of hope and solidarity within the presentation itself. Um, I loved the entire show. I mean, I felt that it really connected very well. And I think a lot of press even noted how, um, the good press kind of noted (laughs) how it felt unlike previous Turner Prize kind of shortlisted shows, felt like an exhibition, like a group exhibition that had, because it had a central area of kind of like, of practice that that rooted it all together. As Hamad Nasser said, that was a curatorial proposition that we we gave to to, uh, the Herbert. but I felt like a Ray Collective just elevated the entire show. 
and and it surprised me, uh, unlike some of the presentations of, of of the other collectives who I got. I think they gave us exactly what we wanted, but I felt like in a way, kind of outrageous. I don't know. Uh, it was kind of breathtaking and surprising, and it was a space that you could sit in for hours and and go through a whole wave of different emotions and see things in very different ways depending on the time of the day. It was the exhibition space where a lot of the audiences were returned to kind of as well after seeing the show. And the banners, the banners changed. I think it was, there's so, there was a real sensitivity to an exhibition not being a static proposition, to the notion of nationhood being so much a part of what defines us and the kind of ghosts of, of nation and of, of kind of inherited things that we learn, but we don't necessarily want to adopt. I think that there are just so many kind of aspects of what it means to be alive. If if I just put it like as broadly as that and the ways that that happens through um, our faith or lack thereof, like our family connections, our chosen family and friends, there are just so many different ways of, of, yeah, finding, like Aaron was saying, joy in the sorrowful moments, but really thinking about you know what, these are the things that define me or us because this is who we are, but also we're more than those things. We don't have to be only what came before us. There are ways, so there was something just incredibly, um, the funny thing is the word that comes to mind is triumphant, but I don't mean that in like a weird histrionic or flag-waving way. I just mean there's something about like the triumph of like, good people mm-hmm. and and people who want to be kind to each other and i know that there's you know certainly pe- yeah people in the press who would want to kind of shit all over that too as an idea but there's just something fundamental about being able to like take everything that life throws at us but still find a way to do something good and and fun with it and and to grow. I don't know. There's something about it that felt very, um, yeah, just like full of possibility. I think you felt like the touch of each individual artist within the collective at the same time, being that there's like 80 works that make up this kind of installation. And so it's, it, to me, it was like this kind of like real sense of unity that came together within, within their presentation. I love to hear what Kim uh, mm. thinks. This was also a difficult one for me because uh, I'm from that place and arguably I know the context a bit more. Um, there's something about that particular group of people, which for me um, kind of showcases like like a Northern Irish, not Northern Irish, North of Ireland way of being, because they would say North of Ireland, not Northern Ireland. Um, there's a defiance and th- there's like, um, it's relentless, the the lengths that they will go to in the, in the face of um, politics and um, religion that will suppress who you are and how you want to be in the world, that array or defiantly, they will just not stop. They will continue, they will be on the streets. Um, you know, there's essentially what was it it is kind of hard for me to speak about this because it's also like very much part of me and like part of my being as well but um what they showed in that installation was like 200 years well more than that of like 
of oppression that is just never really talked about. And the the way in which they speak about it, which where it's tongue in cheek and you need the humor to get through it. Um, but like I was, Aaron was saying, there's like 80 different artworks within that that convey a sense of what it means to be a person living in the north of Ireland at the moment. Um, dealing with Brexit, dealing with the DUP, dealing with, um, you know, n- no access to abortion within that place. Like the laws are archaic and the situation is not changing anytime soon but yet there's this defiant hope and like will to change it it's inspirational in a way but they're also very humble and low-key about it I it but then they're not because you see those banners and they're in your face and they're glitter you know they're glittery or you have like a drag queen on on top of a of a car which is completely covered in tinfoil driving through the streets of Belfast so I think there was something that everyone could connect with in some way, shape or form within that installation. Um, and that's what made it like very powerful and very kind of emotional. I think I, I always felt their power as well is that, that the hope can't be extinguished. If you know what I mean, there's some kind of like irrepressible kind of, I don't know, like, like you can do everything you want to stop us, but no, <laughs> and actually like good will out. I think that was the message I took away from them, but also the whole, the whole, um, the whole five collectives in a way, um, which is why that's my personal take on it. You know, the response I had earlier, like, I don't know, I think it obviously fits mm. with my politics or something. But I think we just said about the collective kind of trauma, the inherited trauma, the history that's there, but they do this, it feels so ancient what they're doing but also so contemporary and they deal with like ancient mythology and you have this kind of they had they created this film at this event of this of all these druids that this druids ball 2021 which came together and then then you're experiencing watching them perform this druids ball in this shebin that's how you say it isn't it shebin shebin which is uh you can talk about kim but it's, it's a pub without permission yeah, and it's it's really interesting because um, you see it in many different cultures. I have like um, like people I know who um, have ancestry in Jamaica. Like there's shebeens there, and like different parts of the Caribbean as well. It's a, it's uh, and even here in Birmingham, you know, like historically there've been there have been shebeens. It's a place where you can gather. That's like underground. It's not permitted, but where people can be with one another. And I think that's that was what the par was in their installation too. Um, yeah, it, it felt like you were you were in you were in on something when you were in that place it was very comfortable but they used that as a mechanism to confront you with all of this like really traumatic history they told in such an incredibly powerful way i mean richard o'leary's um you know testament really um and it's this composition that fairies are real exactly around kind of the notion of kind of the, the, the fairy within north of ireland culture um alongside kind of fairies very much being a way of talking about kind of like gay men in particular and kind of this kind of confluence of religious persecution um alongside kind of like gay rights told in such as poetic poetic story that it's just heart-wrenching um so heart-wrenching um there's some some incredibly poignant moments in in the Druid's ball, ball um all the way to the drag queen on the <laughs> For a covered car, mm-hmm. so these kind of extremes of emotions. Um, I mean, it was just a real ride um, there in selection. 
Yeah, no, it was it was an incredible response to so many social issues in the north of Ireland, gender, language, reproductive rights. Uh, and yeah, that, I think that's why we... And the circle of flagpoles too. I think it's important. I think everyone will focus on the pub, but I think that there's some really interesting pacing in their section as well between the banners that changed, this area that is maybe you know, used as a thoroughfare for most people to get to the pub, but what that means to walk through that circle of empty flagpoles as well, and this kind of, this place of absence, and then this place that's kind of overflowing with life and, you know, visual culture and all these sorts of things. Um, But all of it is this kind of lure that, um, as Aaron and Kim have already said so well, really does entice you to kind of, it's like a siren song that then kind of entices you to sit there in the pub and then to go through um, this really epic journey of not only people's personal journeys, but also the whole history of a nation and of a people. Amazing. Um, <laughs> everyone's like, <laughs> so, so big celebrations. We were all there. We had live TV me and Zoe got up on stage. We had to talk. It was. It went out live. <laughs> it's um, so good. I think it went okay. We were good. amazing. Yeah, you guys were amazing. Kim and I was just and drinking the whole time. We were drinking down at the table. Like, thank <laughs> fuck, we're not doing that. <laughs> well, I, I didn't. I didn't drink until after that. Then I was like, give me that red wine now. But it was. It was. It felt like a really exciting night to be a part of the Turner Prize. Prize to be a part of that history. To be a part of Coventry to be a part of like the Herbert's legacy. Um, Can I also say how gracious all of the artists were? I don't know if we all have, but I've been at a number of other Tate dinners, you know, as Russell and Robert said at the beginning, because I once worked there for, you know, a period of, of six years and, you know, it can, the dinners can be really tense because, you know, of course there's a lot of emotion that everyone has invested in it. It's not easy to, to sit there and smile on live TV, hearing someone else's name called in any circumstance. And obviously, um, you know, the event in Margate in 2019 had a very different energy because, you know, the artists had changed the the game really and had uh, a really wonderful jury that was supportive of that. And so it ended up being... Uh, having, yeah, an energy of its own. But I thought what was interesting is that it was just, everyone was still so up for it. And, you know, I made a point of going to talk to everybody after and there was just this real sense of goodwill. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, was it Aaron who was saying, like, maybe they just said that to your face? And that could be true. (laughs) But also, you know, some people can't even do that. Because, you know, I think there was just, there there was a lot of, of goodwill and I'm just really just like Aaron said about being happy that boss accepted I'm so happy that cooking sections accepted I'm happy that project artworks accepted I'm happy that uh, gentle radical accepted I'm really happy that all of the collectives accepted being part of I think there was a lot of solidarity among them um that evening but throughout the entire process of them you know tagging each other on social media you know uh, promoting each other's events that were taking place during the run of the turner prize so i think in that moment um uh although i'm sure there was some disappointment but i think at the same time um i think there was some kind of like shared sense of kind of like celebration uh, for a raise yeah 
yeah, such a lot of grace and such a lot of, of like a real community spirit. I think we said it was the year of togetherness, didn't we? It was a year and all the collectives have a solidarity within themselves and collectively with all the others. And that's what you felt. And that's actually a really nice way to sort of tie up this episode in a way, because I think that was the message that I took when I first heard the announcement was about togetherness. And I think it's something that people need to remember. And also, I think I often say this, but I I think the thing that I've loved so much about doing talk art is that we get to listen to artists speak. And and I think your Turner Prize, the the collectives you chose, I've really enjoyed listening to the you know to the, the, the way that they they see the world, the the, the world they want to create, the, the the change they want to make for people's um, lives, which does change individual lives, you know, through the collective act. I, I think we are nothing if we do not look after each other. So look. I've loved every minute of this, but we ask every guest two questions and we need to do that for all three of you today because otherwise it won't, it won't <laughs> I think it should be Turner Prize themed as well, Rob. I think it should oh, really? be like, if you're going to choose, if you're going to choose an artist, you know, because we do an art heist, so you choose an artist, artwork or an artwork, anything in the world, whatever you want it to be Yeah, maybe, maybe make it Turner Prize themed, but I'm sure we'll have all three of you on in the future individually yes. talking about, you know, your careers and also other projects you're doing. So maybe yeah, if we do it Turner Prize this time, then next time it'll, um, so, we can do other more personal. Yeah, things. if you could choose one Turner Prize winner because it was from 1984 <laughs> it started. So you've got a f- few years to choose from. If you could choose any Turner Prize winner to work with, to collect their work, to have dinner with, who would it be and why? Oh, uh, who wants to that. go first? I want to see that list. I can't remember everyone who's been nominated stroke one. You've got time to pull it up on the, in- oh, you pull it up on the internet in front of you? Do you want to do I can name the Chisholm Hale people. Go on. Yes, 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 yes. Of course. So you could have Richard you Deacon, Lubaina Hamid, uh, and was, was, wasn't, yeah. wasn't um, Emma Abassia Khan nominated for one of the bursaries? So yeah. three three Chisholm Hale projects were nominated for um, the, the twenty twenty bursaries, um, and who were the other two? Then it was Mandy El Saig as well. So it was Mandy El Saig. It was Emma Abassia Okan and Imran Peretta. That's right. That's right. Well, if it had been me, I would have said, um, well, it's not me, but I, I loved Imra Basi Okan's yeah, installation, we um, Hell, which is now actually in the Tate, I think. But it, it is. It was just, that's one of the best. Um, Holly acquired it. As well on Talk Art. Yeah. Oh, it's genius, that, that installation, though. And the interview we did with her is one of my, still one of my favourites. Yes, yeah, I absolutely love Imra Basi Okan. What about you, Aaron? Have you got, have you got like, your Turner Prize <laughs> art heist? Oh, art me out. I would probably go with Mark Wallinger. Um, and I feel like, um, partly because I knew Mark, and I think we just have like a nice time. <laughs> Is that a good <laughs> response? I'm not sure. So you're having dinner with Mark Wallinger? I'm dinner with Mark Wallinger and a drink. And a drink. Okay. Well, we see if we can stretch the budget to that. So you're having, you're having every everybody involved in the Chisholm Everybody who's shown at Chisholm So I've just like got a big bag. A bag. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and Kim? Who did you choose again? Oh, uh, do you know what? I'm looking at all the nominees because I'm like, who would I want to sit and have? There's some of them I feel like I know and that I would have a good night out with. <laughs> um, Go on. Mm, there's some of them I have had good nights out with. Like who? Like who? Nah, I'm not going to say any of that. Um, uh, who would I like? Do you know, um, this is kind of coming back to something that I said earlier on where, where uh, the four of us were like, wouldn't it have been lovely just to have a show where we could like put a sculpture there and nominate someone for a painting there, blah, blah, blah. 
I am in love with painting through and through. So I think just because I want to spend some time with her, I would I would want to hang out with Rosalind Nashashibi. Oh, really? I love her painting so much. Like big yeah. fan That's a girl. good choice. Big fan girl, but I don't know anything about her, so I've never met What her. year did she win? She didn't win, but she was nominated the Labana Himid year. Right, right, right. Mm. So that was what, 2017? 2017, 2017, yeah. 17, was it? Yeah. She also showed at Chisholm oh, Hale. Yeah. Did, did she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I have to pimp out some of the Delphina artists. We also have a lot of Delphina artists. Go on, who are your Delphina artists then? We'll catch you know, up. You know, like <laughs> Thomas Demon, Tacita Dean, you know, Keith Tyson. Um, that's many, many over the years. So anyway, no, no, that's not joking. Zoe, no competition here. I really loved Ros- Rosalind Nashashibi's uh, films that she showed at ICA back in about 2010 or something. It was a long time ago, but those films, they were just like extraordinary. I, I-, I love Rosalind Nashashibi and I'm really glad that she's been showing recently, hasn't she? She's been kind of, yeah, she's kind of constantly showing, but I, I noticed in the last few years she's had quite a few great shows. I really like her. Yeah, amazing. So the other question we ask every guest really quickly is what is your favourite colour, each of you? Zoe? Oh, yeah, I've got a funny one. It's basically like that azalea petal that's like kind of purple, kind of pink. It's like a bright, purpley pink kind of colour. Is it like yeah, a prince purple? my favorite purple-y, color. Or is it like a- no, not like a prince purple, like more like a magenta or fuchsia, but purplier than red. Mm. Oh, delicious. That's oh. my favorite color. Very unique answer, loving it. When I see it, I like it. Black, black for Aaron. I love black, the absence of color. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you're not Sleek is really. elegant. <laughs> While you're wearing like a pink and yellow jumper right now. <laughs> it's the deepest, darkest of winter. But can't, can't you see black in the other way? You could say it's like all the colours or something. True. I don't know. like An absorption of all the colours, yes. It could, it could be like everything. Kim? So I, do you know, I had this conversation with my sister when I was home over Christmas. So I, Good. I, I yeah, I love, um, I like colours that are a bit murky. So like, well, this room's pink. You can't see it right now, but um, I love like an olive green or mm. um, like a yellow that's mustardy. And my mm. sister, when we were uh, we were chatting over Christmas and we were watching Christmas films, and she was like, "That's that color green you like." And I was like, "What?" And you know, in a Muppets Christmas Carol, you have like yeah. Kermit, and then you have Tiny Tim, the sick one. Yes, mm. yes, that color green. She's like, that's "I know exactly what you're talking that about." Color green. We watch it every Christmas Eve. That's our oh family movie. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Kim. So I also know exactly what color pink you're talking about. Now. Yeah, it's that Stella McCartney dusty pink. Yeah, the dusty, it's like right in the middle. It's yeah. Love it. Well, that was a talk up moment if there ever was one. <laughs> Loving it. Always bring up a Christmas carol once a talk up. Um, well, guys, this has really been. Rough. I think Russ was in it. <laughs> I did the Muppets Most Wanted. I carried a, a, a fridge. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah he's in it as a, as a delivery. Man. Another, I, was, a I was on a long flight day. somewhere and I watched the whole thing because he was in it and it doesn't turn up till right at the end. So I had to watch the whole thing just to see his bit. Like, bring a Is that the one with fridging. Constantine? Yes. So I bring oh, see, a I had to leave in. the theater because the child I was with, not my own daughter, was oh. terrified of Constantine. Of the Russian. We Constantine. had to leave. 
Yeah. So I haven't well, even seen the exactly. I haven't seen the movie all the way through. Oh, you can watch it now. <laughs> next, next, next Christmas Eve, it's worth it. But yes, it's it's a very fleeting moment. But I um, anyway, Rob. Thanks, oh, thanks, Rob. I really appreciate that. But this has been amazing, guys. Um, for everyone listening, for all images, we're going to be putting a lot out on the Talk Up feed and Instagram. But just to big up yourselves, if you want to put your institutions and Instagram out there. Aaron, what is Delfina's uh, Instagram handle? It's at Delfina, F-D-N, D-E-L-F-I-N-A, F-D-N. Great. Zoe, what, what are we talking about for the cheers? We're at Chis and Hale Gallery. Great. And Kim for Grand Union in Birmingham, what are we at? We're at Grand Union Gallery. There we go. So this. follow all those. And we will tag involved. everybody so you can... You can um... Yeah, all the collectives would be tagged and everything and the the Herbert and everyone at the Tate. So thank you. Well, I'm really glad we were finally able to do this episode because I really didn't want to do it during it because I just felt like it was too much of a conflict somehow. But I'm glad that this is on record now. Thank you for listening. We'll be back very soon. Bye, everyone. Bye, Aaron. Bye, Kim. Bye, Zoe. Bye, Robert. Bye, Bye, Russell. (laughs) Nice to see you again. Bye, Bye. Bye. Turner Prize 2021. Okay, bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.